The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, just to recap some of the things that Kevin was telling you about uh, the latest uh, about what's happening with the coronavirus before we get to our, our next guest. Uh, in Trenton, Ontario, the evacuees um, have arrived at the Air Force Base there. Uh, they'll be in 14 days of quarantine off the coast of Japan. Uh, seven Canadians are among 60 passengers on a cruise ship that have tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, Princess Cruise Line saying the quarantine period will uh, end in 12 days. There's more than 3,000 passengers uh, quarantined. I still can't wrap my head around that and, and dealing with that for 14 days. Uh, a second luxury line has been denied entry to Japan and put under a 14-day quarantine as well. Um, The Director General of the World Health Organization says a drop in the number of new viruses, uh, in in the new virus cases for two days is good news, but is warning people not to read too much into it. Uh, China reported about 3,100 new cases of the virus today. That is the lowest daily increase since last Tuesday. So what is it like to be living in China right now? Our next guest, is the Asia correspondent for the Globe and Mail. Nathan Vanderclip used to work right here in Edmonton years ago. Nathan, thanks for joining me this afternoon. All right, so um, you're in Beijing. You're not near the epicenter, but paint a picture of, of what you're witnessing, Nathan. Well, in, in Beijing, uh, I mean, Beijing's not formally under lockdown, uh, although the, even here the measures are tightening. The authorities this week said uh, that they were putting a ban on dinner gatherings. They didn't exactly define what a dinner gathering is, but there is a there's an effort to try to keep people uh, out of public spaces, out of big gatherings, and, and, and in their homes. Um, but they haven't actually really had to sort of mandate that because streets are largely empty wow uh, it's 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 uh, i've never seen anything like it i mean the, the streets at 3 p.m have far less traffic than you would typically think of the streets having it as say 3 a.m um just about everyone is wearing a mask it's a rare sight indeed to find somebody who's not wearing a mask um and you know the the, the authorities have sort of prolonged the lunar new year period the, the, this sort of vacation period formally until monday uh but uh, it's anybody's guess of what actually happened. But I don't know a lot of people in China who think who think that this country is really going to sort of come back to life uh, on Monday. It, it could be quite some time. You know, we ha- you have airlines that have sort of uh, canceled flights through to the end of April, um, and uh, it's it's anybody's guess at what time uh, things things really start to come back to some semblance of normal. So give us an idea of what's happening in uh, the provinces where um, this is much more of a concern, where they're under lockdown. Paint that picture because I'm hearing stories of, of people being forcibly, um, you know, turned around back into their house, that there's, there's uh, uh, chains being put on, on doors. It, it just sounds like it's hard to believe. Well, I mean, there's video circulating of, of uh, residential compounds with metal doors being welded shut. Um, there's there's video circulating of, of of people being dragged out of their homes and 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 placed into uh, placed into vehicles, being taken away from quarantine in in Wuhan. Uh, authorities are going door to door, doing mandatory health checks and this sort of thing. Uh, I mean, you have to remember that you know China China is a country; it's an authoritarian country, and it has. Uh, 
sort of an extraordinary capacity uh, to sort of uh, use security measures against its own people. And some of that capacity is now being used in service of the virus. And and so so you're seeing sort of incredible bans. You've had, of course, travel bans for quite some time in, in, in the broader uh, Hubei area, where Wuhan is the capital. Some of those measures have, have sort of begun to spread to other places in China. Uh, but even in some of the smallest places, you have villages. You have villages around Beijing. You have villages sort of around the fringes of China, thousands and thousands of kilometers away from Hubei, uh, where people are also being kept in, in, in states of virtual lockdown, not permitted to leave their villages. Or if they leave, not permitted to return without some sort of extraordinary uh, health checkup um, document. Uh, and, and, and so it's just, uh, it's, it's remarkable. You have, uh, you know, parts of the country that are under formal lockdown. But it, but it feels to me like most of the country is either on a, a self-imposed lockdown or, or some form of uh, informal lockdown. We're seeing videos, hearing stories of, well, of, of drones flying over, like the, the people with loudspeakers telling almost either health messaging or propaganda. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, in, in some areas, uh, they've, they've used drones to fly around and warn people to sort of wear masks or go home. But they're also making use of some of the uh, the infrastructure, some of this, which dates way back to the early days following the Cultural Revolution of sort of early communist China. Things like uh, loudspeaker systems in villages, which are broadcasting constant warnings about uh, about the virus. Um and, 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 in fact, they're also using some of the, the, the techniques that date back to so long time before. You know, you have uh, volunteers in red armbands walking through compounds uh, with megaphones uh, issuing warnings. You have snitch lines and cash rewards that have been created uh, for people who, who supply information on, on neighbors or strangers who they suspect perhaps either came from Hubei or who have violated bans on gatherings. I mean, there's, there's parts of China right now where you're not allowed to get together to play mahjong or play cards. Uh, and in and, 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 and some areas, if, if you call with tips on information, you can be rewarded, uh, in some cases with cash, in some cases with masks, <laughs> which have become a currency of their own because of shortages. Nathan Vanderclip, the Beijing-based correspondent with the uh, Globe and Mail, um, of course, um, has been there for a number of years now. Are, are you wearing a mask when you go out? Are you worried? I am. Well, I, you know, there's, there's kind of a social stigma that has developed around not wearing a mask. I, I think it would be, I, I think at this point in time, it would be inadvisable in most of China not to wear a mask just because of the attention you draw to yourself. Um, and, and, you know, in, in my compound in Beijing, as in many compounds around the country, I can't go home unless I have passed a temperature check every time I come in. They take my temperature, they write down my information, they write down which unit I'm at, which, what time I'm heading back. Um, and so um, it's, 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 it, if you're not wearing a mask, I think you're, you're, you're going to be looked at with a, a fair amount of suspicion right now. Um, so many questions for you, Nathan. Um, there, there had been rumors that pets um, could be carriers of this virus as well. I'm hearing about attacks on animals too. Yeah, yeah. So there have been there have been reports circulating about animals being attacked. Those, you know, from from everything we can tell, that they, the idea that pets can be carriers is, is false. That's a false rumor. Uh, 
but there there is you know this is um, in many parts of China you you are dealing with a population uh, in a in a state of of some fear and 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 sort of humans motivated by fear do different things even here in Beijing I've, I have friends with dogs who say you know they've had uh, you've been out for a walk and had had people sort of give sideways glances at their uh, at their dog uh, as as if they could be some sort of threat which as best we know they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, the the government itself. One of the things uh, in the early days when we first started talking about this, um, one of the things that uh, some of the folks that I had been talking uh, with said. One of the good things was is that the, the Chinese government was was sharing information with um, scientists around the world. They were able to get the uh, the the um, the, the uh, virus identified and kind of whatever you do as it to, to identify it all and that sort of stuff. And so that was good. There was a little bit more of sharing information there. Um, I, I I am starting to get the sense that that seems to be changing or that some people feel that it's changing. What are you hearing and seeing? on that front right and and you're seeing this in other ways as well even domestically i mean there was there was this is a a country that that employs very that makes very liberal use uh, of censorship tools um in the news media on social media everywhere uh, and and for the first week or two uh it was remarkable some of what was appearing on social media there was open criticism of the government response in the news media the same um a lot of that is now changing um and 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 there have been a number of directives sent out to media to to sort of carry only the party line um and in social media things are being yesterday after the after the death of of this uh doctor who had sort of issued an early warning uh about, about the virus um you know, for, for a while, there was a, a, the most popular hashtag in the country was we want our free speech. That was quickly deleted. Um, and as for medical information, it, it, you're right. I mean, China received quite a lot of praise at the outset for doing things like uh, releasing uh, the full genetic sequencing of, of this virus. Um, I, I'm told that, there, that the, the information flow from China may not be quite as full as it was in the past. Um, but but it's it, it, it's hard to know because because some of that resides with the World Health Organization, which, mm-hmm. which has as an organization still been quite um, complementary towards the Chinese response. It's going to be uh, fascinating, continuing to be fascinating how um, the Chinese government handles this, how the governments around the world uh, hand, handle this, and 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 what unfolds over the next few weeks and months. Um, Nathan, what, and I know, again, I'm putting you in a tough spot here, but this isn't, this isn't going to turn around, as you said, Lunar New York, New York extended for a few more days, but this isn't something that's just going to fix itself. The ship isn't just going to right itself in the next couple of weeks. This is going to take a while. Well, I mean, SARS took six to eight months, depending on how you do the math. Uh, that was different in the sense that uh, there was quite a number of months where uh, Chinese authorities at that time, 2002-2003, uh, were really putting a lid on information and really suppressing information. That's been that's been quite different this time around. I mean, we're getting we're getting multiple updates a day on on sort of the death count and, and, and the numbers of, of confirmed suspected cases, that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, I, you know, it, this could be some time. I mean, there is there is a great caution about you know. Uh, reopening things in ways that bring people together. And, and you can't run a factory without bringing people together. You can't run a school without bringing people together. Um, 
there are uh, in in big cities with white collar jobs. There's there have been calls for sort of um, remote working and some of the remote working tools uh, in, in China have been sort of overloaded as everybody tries to do that. Um, but you know, there's there's only so long you can do that, and, mm-hmm. and many of us work in jobs where where you have to be around other people. So mm-hmm. uh, and, and at this point, there remains a, a great deal of fear of of, of, of resuming that path. Uh, Nathan, uh, is your family still with you in Beijing? They're not. No, okay. no, they're in Vancouver. Okay. Um, and and not and not for any health fear, to be honest. Um, but but because uh, their their school is closed as well. My wife works at school. My kids go to school, and uh, their school is closed. Their school is closed for the foreseeable future. And so it was a question of uh, where do you want to hang out. Uh, during a period of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Beijing, there was concerns that, you know, perhaps it would be difficult to leave uh, our apartment complex and this sort of thing. And, and so they, they, went off to, they went off to Canada. Okay. Yeah, just wondering how everyone was handling that, if uh, you are being confined to a small space for, for any length of time. Nathan Vanderclip again. Um, he is the Beijing-based correspondent for the Globe and Mail, uh, 618 in uh, Beijing at this time. I want to thank you uh, for getting up so early in the morning to chat with us this afternoon here in Edmonton, Nathan. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Okay, we'll talk to you again in a, oh, maybe in a couple of weeks. Thanks for that. Nathan Vanderclip, uh, again, 6.18 Saturday morning in Beijing. You can watch for his coverage in the Globe and Mail as he continues to report on the coronavirus outbreak in China. His last article, a fascinating one, he had touched on it uh, during that interview, talking about even in the um, farthest remote villages in China, as far away as possible from the epicenters, how those villages, how those communities are locked down, the the uh, the rules, the regulations that have been put in place. If you get a chance, Google it, take a read.